Money mistakes and financial fixes for your farming business. That is the topic today that's going to make you money in another installment of the business side of farming here at Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where we cut your learning curve with insights you can apply immediately to your farming operation. This episode is presented by Loveland Products. When it comes to crop inputs, you need products that are field proven to deliver both results and value. For more than 50 years, Loveland Products has been providing farmers with high-performance, value-driven product solutions designed to maximize productivity on every acre. Visit lovelandproducts.com to see how their innovative products can help you farm more profitably. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Uh, sometimes we put out episodes that are not about agronomics, not about soil, not about equipment, not about crop inputs, not about maximizing your yield. Instead, it's about maximizing your business. You know, farming is a business. You deal with a whole bunch of capital. Depending on the size of your operation, even if you're a small farmer, you have a lot of money at play. Crop inputs are expensive. To put in a, an acre of any crop takes a lot of money unless it's a cover crop. And even then you got to spend money. You've got a whole bunch of assets. And also let's look at what the value of farm ground is. You, you know what? It's peak level right now. So you're talking about money. Your farming operation is a business. So what mistakes might you be making? What mistakes might you avoid? That's what we're doing today. Money mistakes and financial fixes for your farming business. Yes, we're going to continue to call it a business. I've got Ben Hansen. He is with Gross and Company of Dunlap, Iowa. They're an accounting firm that does advisory and consultation work for the money and business side of farming operations and agricultural entities. In fact, he works with Kelly Garrett. That's how Ben and I know one another. We've had drinks together in Omaha. Every time we're together, he always says smart stuff. And I said, you know what, Ben, since you're smart, why don't you come on here and give us some content to help uh, the Extreme Ag followers and, and members and listeners uh, improve their business. Money mistakes, financial fixes for your farming business. Ben, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Damien. I look forward to discussing this. And you know, we do need to have a, a drink again here one of these days down in Omaha or or maybe even in Dow City at O'Meara's or something, right? I'm, I'm good with all that. Um, when we uh, when we talk about financial fixes, let's go to the mistakes first. Uh, you know, farming people are very, very good about production and they focus on it like, a. I mean, that's what they're into. Factory, production, 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 production. But you're like, okay, let's talk about profit. Let's talk about the, the money side of it. What money mistakes do you commonly see with people that come in the door of Hanson and company or gross and company? Uh, sorry. Gross and company. Yep. Thanks. That's fine. Uh, you know, there's a laundry list of them, but you know, one, one that comes, you know, some top of mind here as of, you know, just recently is, you know, failure to fix your debt um, or set up a fixed rate on your debt. So, you know, you, you go and you know, buy a farm, you know, whether it was, you know, uh, off the market deal or it was an auction deal um, a couple of years ago, you pay 10, 12, 15,000 bucks an acre and you go to your banker and your banker's like, yeah, we can fix your debt for, or, or we can give you a loan um, for, for 2% interest. And it's just going to adjust every time that the Fed adjusts, you know, rates. And, you know, at the time the Fed hadn't done anything in a long time. And, you know, the max rates had been maybe 5%. And you said, okay, fine, I won't be variable. And, you know, with my, my rate's going to be cheap. Or the other option was it's going to be double. Um, but I could fix that debt for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. There's a ton of products out there that allow you to do that. 
Um, and I, I've had a couple clients against, you know, my, my better wishes that, you know, didn't fix their debt. Now they find themselves fix their rate on their debt. I apologize. Yeah. Um, now they find themselves in, in the position of, you know, their rate, maybe seven, eight, nine percent on some of this, you know, long-term money that they have. And all of a sudden it increases their cost of production. Because in my mind, rent or rent is also the same as interest on you know a piece of ground. So whatever your annual payment is, principal and interest, is the divided by the acres is your equivalent of rent, right? So you want to have the right of use to these assets. So if you have the opportunity to know that it's going to work at X interest rate turned out over a, a period of time then why not do it? Take some of that interest rate risk out of your, of your operation. You know, so that's one thing, you know, unfortunately, hindsight. I want, I, want to, I, want to interrupt, I want to interrupt just for a second. You know, that thing, there was a time when folks probably thought, hell, we're never going to have high interest rates again. You know, it, it sputtered around. It, we, interest rates were cheap. And it depends on your, your uh, perspective and probably even your age of experience because first house I bought, was that variable money, but it was fixed for seven years. And I thought, I'm not going to have this house for more than seven years. And I think I paid seven and a half. And, and I remember right. like people, older people saying, look, for a house I bought, I paid 16%, 14% interest. So then we got to this era of low interest, which was, shoot, 15 to 20, almost 20 years of pretty darn low interest, like hovering around like four, four and a half to five, three to five, Right. Right. And so now we're in this thing where interest rates are going. So a mistake that you saw made was folks didn't think, oh, these interest rates can move upward. Essentially, that's what you're saying. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And not to say that they're not going to go back down, but in the near term, I'd say the next two to three years, I don't see them going back to that, you know, four or five percent anytime soon. It's going to take a, lo a lot of time for the Fed to figure out what they want to do. Yep. And well, by the way, depending on, you might be listening to this in the year 2029, and this is all past, <laughs> you know, but we're recording, right. this, we're recording this in the summer of 23. So anyway, okay, money mistake that you see made besides not fixing interest, what's the next one? So that would be one, you know, and, and the next two, um, come, you know, kind of relate a little bit off of each other, but poor record keeping is, is one is that someone, you know, maybe misses a big expense, doesn't account for all their income. You know, the thing that really concerns me is that, you know, people don't, you know, truly go through their bank account as they should. You know, as many transactions, you know, that are going through people's bank accounts now, I typically recommend that they have a form of an electronic um, record keeping system. Um, it, it helps, you know, one, to make sure you've captured everything. But in the event that you ever have an, an IRS audit, um, it, it gives you documentation of what you're deducting, what income you're picking up, you know, and, and thirdly, it also helps your banker um, understand you know, that you've picked up all these transactions, that you, ha you have everything taken, taken into account and you have good records and you're organized. Um, you know, so that would be, you know, number two is poor record keeping um, along with, you know, that, that record keeping. If you don't have it, you can't really do a good job of planning for year end. Um, trying to figure out, you know, how much tax am I going to pay this year, or am I going to get a refund? Most of the time, from a a, a farmer perspective, is um, how much tax am I going to have to pay, um, and where are we at? What can we do to best plan for this going into the end of the year? 
Um, I, I truly hate, you know, that guy that wants to put everything off until the last week of the year, um, to go through everything because he hasn't gone through any of his books since, you know, December of the previous year. It tells me that, you know, they really don't want to, um, understand, you know, the, what happened to their operation for the year? What, what are the fruits of their labor if they did have fruits or, or what are the, the drawbacks of, Hey, we had, you know, really good markets, you know, a year ago and now they're not as good. Um, and the crop was okay, but, you know, even, you know, like 20, we're in 2023 and, you know, we have, you know, a record year of inputs, yep. um, high inputs, you know, prices are falling. Um, we get to year in, I can just see, you know, some of my clients like, well, I didn't make any money this year. Like, well, what about all the grain that we deferred from the prior year to 2022? We forget about that. Um, so let's make sure we manage your tax rate at year end. Let's prepay. You know, if we need to buy a little equipment, we can. Let's do what makes sense to help us manage that tax bracket. Um, you know, prepayments are kicking the can down the road. Equipment, if you don't need it, doesn't ever, you know, doesn't always make sense. Um, but, you know, the only, you know, at the end of the year, the best advice I can give you is that we really manage the tax brackets um, that we have, pay a little tax and make sure that we're, we're doing the right thing to project out to the future of, of where you're going to be down the road. I like it. By the way, you just ran through a bunch of little things there. Obviously, the farmer story is I'm having a fat year. So in December, I got to go and buy some equipment at the last minute to get some money off my books. That obviously does do the job of getting money off your books. But also, it could be silly if you are buying something that has a big cost that also is fairly low return. You're, you you right. missed out on some tax payment, but you also bought an asset now that you're sitting on that you don't even need. Right. You, I like to focus on the economics when we're going through some of this planning stuff is if you truly need it and you're going to buy it in you know, March of the next year, well, yeah, it makes sense. So maybe let's accelerate that payment to December um, or that purchase to December and, and get it on your books and get the tax benefit for it. Um, but you know, if it's going to cost you 25% more in December versus in March, so maybe let's prepay so that we can delay that purchase. Um, and so I like to think of you know our of our firm as a, a a business minded economics you know based firm rather than you know just saving someone taxes, not paying taxes, you know tax prep. Um, so that's you know really a, a thing that we try to focus focus a lot on. Is there another money mistake? We talked about uh, the the management of debt and interest rate on debt. And then I heard you talk about record keeping. And then I kind of heard you talk about understanding your expenses. This is the one that I see. Uh, and it's not just farm people. I, you know, I've run my own business for three decades. A friend of mine had a business uh, and, and was new at it. And I said, uh, it was like late summer, early fall. I said, what's your revenue picture look like right now? Uh, and then and where are you going to end up on expenses versus your revenue? So I don't know. <laughs> so, well, I said, that's kind of important. So it was very apparent to me that this guy thought it was a neat idea to have a business or thought that people that ran their own business just printed money. But I said, well, what's the revenue picture? You must have, do you know what you've made so far? Um, kind of. Do you know what it looks like for the next, the, the last, the fourth quarter? No. Do you know what you spent? No. I don't think farmers are that bad because they know they pay for the inputs, but I'm still not convinced that they really have their cost of production dialed in. 
sometimes and i'm not sure that they really know what the revenue looks like and that comes to that thing of they get to december and say oh crap <laughs> i gotta do something is that am i accurate in that yeah i would say you're pretty accurate and the, unfortunately the the part about farming that's difficult is that you're you're prepaying expenses in december you might not be picking up the revenue until the following year right. um so you know i've even had bankers ask me like is this guy making any money um and uh, you know if if all they're doing is trying to you know not pay tax or manage their tax position and they're not using what we call in the the accounting world an accrual basis of accounting is you know so figuring out what your inventory is at the end of the year how much you're prepaid for the following year yeah that's not something that should go into this year's crop um, if you're not doing that, you, it's hard to tell, you know, if you were profitable for that year. And, you know, it's such a volume game and um, it, it does take a significant amount of time to sit down and do the thing that people don't like to do, the book work, right? The, the, the number crunching. And I had a guy this morning tell me, he goes, I hate paperwork, but it's the only way I get paid. So I have to do it. And um, like, if you don't want to do the paperwork, you know, maybe you should just be sitting on a beach and be a beach bum, right? Because, you know, ultimately you just don't farm for fun, right? It's you're, you're in the business of growing this crop and trying to be profitable. So why not figure out if you were profitable? Um, so, you know, I, I think this, this is a good transition into, you know, the money mistake that I, I do see, you know, understanding costs of production, um, but, you know, also understanding, you know, what paying a little bit of tax does for you. And I've heard the argument of, I don't like to pay the government because I don't think they appropriate it right. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, what, what's my, my return on investment? Um, and I would argue to you, to, to a lot of my clients is it doesn't matter how they appropriate it. Um, but what does matter is that we, we pay the tax at a reasonable rate, because if you don't now, down the road when you are getting out of farmer farming it is just a matter of time when you pay it and it'll be at a much higher rate yeah um, you're, talk, you're talking about granted we all like to take advantage of all the deductions and whatnot that we can if we run our business but there are times that that tax uh, avoidance is not always the best business move and i've heard it said from people like you before sometimes they do that big acquisition and get rid of a whole bunch of cash and then to avoid taxes and then they're they're not in a good cash position and then they're at this point now they're borrowing nine percent operating money it might have been smarter to pay some taxes and to hold some cash and you know i've, I've heard that before that's a hundred percent true and you know i like to to tell people i'm like would you rather have you know 70 cents in the bank after paying a little bit of tax or have zero dollars in the bank and some assets that I may may or may not use or I didn't need, right? And so a lot of times when people sit there and think about it, and they're like, well, I'd rather have the maybe the 70 cents in the bank, but I just don't want to write that check for the 30 cents. I'm like, well, you're still not following what I'm you know, explaining here is you never want to be cash poor if you don't have to, right? Um, so if you can manage the bracket, you know, the then if you can manage the bracket, you should um, and make some of those good decisions. You know, and this, this is, you know, another thing is understanding the taxes that you are paying. Mm -hmm. I tell people that we file two tax returns. If you're in Iowa, um, you buy, 
file a federal tax return, an Iowa tax return, but you actually pay three taxes. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you pay federal tax, you pay state tax, but you also pay self-employment tax, which is filed on your federal return. So a lot of farmers are paying self-employment tax, which is building themselves social security. Credit. Uh, yeah, it's, it's basically, it's, it's the social security payment that if you had a traditional job, the employer would be making on your behalf. And since you're your own employer, you're making it on your own behalf. Yeah, and it hurts, you know, as as being self-employed, you, you pay it all at the end of the year when you file your taxes. Um, as an employee, you pay it every two weeks. So it just comes out of your check. It's a part of a part of living and working. Um, so <clears throat> to the extent that I can get people to, to pay the minimum Social Security credits, uh, the minimum amount of Social Security Medicare tax to build the credits for the year, I, I always encourage it um, because you're giving yourself a, a pretty good return on investment um, from a social security perspective. And then the next argument is, well, how do we even know if social security is going to be there? Um, and we, and we don't, I understand that argument. We don't right. necessarily. How, how do we know if the sun's going to rise in the East tomorrow morning? Yeah. We truly don't know that either, but uh, I would say that the sun rising in the East is probably a, a more given right but when every time a politician you know gets into cutting social security it seems like it's a, a non-mover to everyone i would say maybe they it, it will get some of the the benefits may not grow at the rate that you've seen um but i i had a, a class last week that i attended and um the guy leading the conversation was completely about ag uh, he said, if you pay the minimum social security, the minimum for credits um, with, on the first bend, which is about $11,000 times 15.3%, um, it's about $1,600 a year. If you did it for 35 years, you add interest onto it, all these other things, and yeah. you figure out what your benefits are from your full retirement age, which is 67 until um, 77, just 10 years your rate of return is something like 10%. If you live for 15 years, it goes to like 14%. If you live to 20 years, it goes to 17 or 18%. He's like, I will tell you this, there is nowhere that you're probably going to get a better return, um, guaranteed return on your money. Yeah, that's something that I appreciate that perspective because I also am one of those guys that thinks, well, Social Security could go away, whatever. But if you live... And plus, you're legally bound to pay it anyhow. Okay, get me out of here. Financial fixes for your farming business. We covered a lot of them there. We talked about the money mistakes. Is there any big takeaway? Give me the give me the last nugget. The last nugget here. What do I need to know? And I and I'm not being mean, but a lot of agricultural producers, they 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 want to be well off, but they this is the lead, this is the last thing they go to. I mean, they, they, like you said, they, they hate doing the business side of it. They hate doing the paperwork. They'd rather go out and be on the field, out in the scouting fields, in the tractor, whatever. So what's your piece of advice for them to avoid financial uh, money mistakes and to create some, take some corrective financial fixes? I would tell you that uh, this, this is a great conversation that, you know, actually someone else, you know, brought to me probably seven to 10 years ago was to build your team. You know, you weren't necessarily educated um, in you know taxes you weren't educated in banking you weren't educated in law you were educated in farming so build the team of trusted advisors that you want to work with you 
find yourself a good banker, someone that wants to work with you, not against you. Find yourself an attorney that you can trust. Um, you know, sometimes those those two words don't go to necessarily together, but there's a ton of really good attorneys out there. Um, that's not not the stereotype of well, I don't trust them. Anyway, I, I digress. You'll know, find an attorney that you know you truly can trust and will act on your your best behalf. That you can call when you need something, or you know he'll call you back. And then find yourself a good accountant, right? Um, find just someone, a CPA, um, you know, maybe an enrolled agent, someone that truly understands um, the tax law, that understands you know the economics, your operation. Um, and, and can give you some good advice, you know, and then finally, I'd probably tell you, find yourself a good financial advisor. Uh, it seems like everyone wants to, you know, re uh, everyone about farmers in general want to reinvest all their earnings right back into their farm operation, but it's good to diversify. So why not pull 10, 15, $20,000 a year out of your farm operation and invest it somewhere else? Um, it seems like when Wall Street's doing real, really good, Main Street's not maybe doing as well. When Main Street's thriving, maybe Wall Street's not. Um, you know, that's, you know, the rural America mindset to some extent. So why not diversify? So build your team, find the people that can help you do the things that, um, you're not necessarily educated and, you know, an expert in, and, and you can count on hopefully being success, successful long-term. I love that. Um, there's a reluctance to that thing that you even talked about in a prior episode. Well, I don't want to go pay, pay an attorney. I don't want to go and have a bunch of legal fees. I don't want to pay an accountant unless it's exorbitant. And how I've handled it for 30 years of my business, I go in with an actual set of objectives and pre-submitted questions and topics to be addressed. Then it's not just wasting time, you know? And I think that's the right. advice I'd give. Yes, love your thing. You said have a team. banker accountant, attorney, financial advisor. Yes, love it. And I say each interaction with those people, be prepared to state your objective or handle a question. That way you're not wasting one another's time and the billable hours become a tremendous amount more uh, <laughs> productive. Is that, is that a good uh, recommendation for somebody like you that charges by the hour for consultancy? Absolutely. You're going to get much more out of my conversation if you if you come into the conversation with um, Here's my problem. Here, how do I yeah. address it? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and give me the foresight to say, hey, email them to me in advance, right? Here's my issues. Um, you know, how should I address them? And then when we get in that, into that meeting, you know, if you at least have, you know, your, your notepad, your pen, your, you know, your, uh, your computer that you can take some notes so I don't have to continue to repeat myself you're going to educate yourself as well and save yourself a lot on that billable hours perspective. I love it. I like that. That's a great way to wrap it up. Surround yourself with a team and don't, don't look at it as its expense. Every, you know, look at it as you're getting the proper advice, professional services to continue perpetuating or more importantly, growing your farming business. So I think that's the way we got to look at that. And by the way, speaking of being a productive member of the team, at Gross and Company of Dunlap, Iowa, where Ben Hansen works, they do all sorts of agricultural uh, accounting work, but they also have a consultancy. So you don't need any more tax work, but you definitely can take on some consultancy. So if they want to find you, how can they use you? How can they employ your services as a consultant to help their business? Yeah, you can give us a call or shoot me an email and 
Um, we can kind of, you know, figure out if you are, you know, structured correctly, you know, what is your, your plan? You know, what are you doing in advance of some of these meetings? Are you getting good advice? Um, and yeah, that's a, a billable hour service that we can, you know, provide to people. Um, sometimes it, it leads to, you know, bigger projects, um, maybe down the road becoming, you know, clients as we have availability. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's uh, a fee for service. So let's get on, you know, the phone, let's talk about what you have going on. And it may be a, a five to 10 hour project of saying, Hey, this is, you know, the avenue that you need to go down to get to where you want to be. I like it also, because as you said, so many people make decisions and do, do pull the trigger on something. And then by the time they come to you, they've already blown some money or made some, uh, adjustments that, have cost them so it's probably smart to get some input ahead of time gross and company dunlap iowa his name is ben hansen by the way are you ready to stand up to weather induced crop stress if you're a farmer you deal with stress hot cold more importantly no rain turn to terramar it's an innovative biostimulant technology from loveland products designed to help your corn and soybean crops thrive when you have stress Terramar can help. Exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. The product is called Terramar. The company is Loveland, and it's available at Nutrient Ag Solutions. Till next time, he's Ben Hansen, the accountant for agriculture. Gross and Company, Dunlap, Iowa. Look him up. Thanks for being here, Ben. Thanks, Damien, for having me. Appreciate the conversation. Thanks for being here, dear listener. Till next time, this is another one of our series of the business side of farming. I'm Damian Mason. Share this with somebody who can benefit from it. It's extreme ice cutting the curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. But there is plenty more available by visiting ExtremeAg.Farm. For over 50 years, farmers have turned to the proven lineup of crop inputs offered by Loveland Products. From seed treatments, plant nutrition, adjuvant, and crop protection products, Loveland has the complete lineup to keep your farming operation productive and most importantly, profitable. Check out LovelandProducts.com to learn more.